0: Welcome, I'm Lauren Ash, and you're listening to the Black Girl in OM podcast. Black Girl in OM exists to hold and catalyze healing within Black women around the world on their unique journeys towards wholeness. We support the necessary transformation, spiritual awakening, consciousness shifts, and intergenerational healing occurring within the diaspora. This podcast is a warm embrace, soothing realness, and conscious girl talk. Come into conversation with me and our spirit-centered guests. Let the journey begin. Hey, y'all. Hey, community. I want you to close your eyes and just picture a sisterhood that's filled with thousands of journeyers just like you, Lifting one another up, spiritual teachers, thought leaders, wellness practitioners pouring into you with their insights. Open your eyes and you should probably head over to blackrollhome.com because we have this community for you. The circle sources our members with empowering guides, divinely ordained connections, and culturally aligned resources for you as you expand into your most authentic self. I'm so grateful that enrollment is open and it won't be for long, so be sure to head over to blackgirlnome.com and check out The Circle. Hey, y'all. Today's phenomenal episode is Unbelievable! This is what I believe going to be a conversation that you have on repeat throughout the rest of this decade. Ra Goddess is the entrepreneurial soul coach behind hundreds of breakthrough change makers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs, ranging from New York Times bestsellers to multi million dollar social enterprises. As CEO of Move the Crowd, Ra is galvanizing a movement of three million entrepreneurs dedicated to reimagining work as a vehicle for creative expression, financial freedom, and societal transformation. This is essentially like having your own personal coach in about an hour conversation. So get out your notebook and we are celebrating here at team black girl and oh, we're celebrating raw goddess's first book, the calling three fundamental shifts to stay true, get paid and do good. The time has finally come and this book is here and we are so excited. This moment and this book is for all of us who are searching to find and deliver on our purpose in a more fulfilling and sustainable way. Y'all, I get so many messages from you all about finding your purpose, knowing who you are supposed to be in this world, understanding how to build your passions and to expand on your curiosities and to deepen into what it is that you are here on this planet to do. Ra will go over and answer, actually, some of the questions that y'all send me, and she will also address the challenges that often get in the way of making the move towards your calling and how you can overcome them, while also giving you a peek into her personal journey. This conversation, as you will see, changed my life on a really powerful level, and I know that it will change yours. So listen, lean in, and definitely order your book, The Calling, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid, and Do Good. I am so excited, (laughs) not only about this conversation, but the timing of this conversation in my own life, as well as the fact that this conversation is coming at the beginning of not only a new year, but an entirely new decade and one that has been written about and talked about and referenced for so long throughout history, I have the extreme pleasure of being in conversation with Ra, Goddess. Hey, Ra. Hey, hey, hey. So (laughs) great to be here, Lauren. (laughs) I, can you hear the smile in my voice,
1: though? (laughs) (laughs) I feel, you know already, Mama, I feel the same way.
0: Same exact. (laughs) I mean, so I was telling someone the other day about how I feel as though we have been orbiting around each other for the past two years and how in a way that I'm actually thrilled about, I didn't even quite understand what was happening. I feel like I was just oblivious. I was just like, there's this really beautiful woman that I met in 2017. She's been reaching out. She invited me to her event. There were all these breadcrumbs of like, you are supposed to connect meaningfully with this person. You are supposed to know this person. And this year, now that I live here, now that we have an opportunity to come to each other's events, I'm just like, oh, wow. The timing of this is so synchronistic, right?
1: Mm -hmm. There's
0: so much about your work and beyond your work just who you are what you embody in your spirit that is such a light that our community will be so blessed by so i want to first ask you who are you today and why are you committed to your particular path which we'll get into in greater detail but who are you today and why are you committed to your particular path
1: So, first of all, (laughs) I love that question, and just it's so wonderful to be here. Um, Who I am today, I'm a healer. I'm a way maker. I'm a game changer. I'm a cultural innovator. And what I'm guided by, what I'm driven by is a deep, deep, deep love and commitment to our humanity and to our divinity and all of the ways that those aspects of who we are want to be expressed in the world.
0: Beautiful. Divinity, when I came to your beautiful gathering within the first week of this new decade, I saw that you sitting on the slightly elevated stage. It was like you were floating and I just saw you channeling the whole time. You know, I don't really think you were looking at any notes You weren't, not that that would have been a bad thing if you were, right? But like you from beginning to end were just in the flow, I feel, of what source, of what spirit was speaking through you. And it was so crystal clear that you're a woman who's rooted in her power. And from that place, are so. Able to be a source of awakening in all of us. So I want to get into something that I know is going to be the heart of our conversation today, which is your roadmap <laughs> on what you call the calling. Your book is coming out this month, January 2020. I have to say that as I say this, it's 242. So there we go. <laughs> Magic. Um <laughs> But your book, The Calling, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid, and Do Good, which I have an advanced copy of, so I feel special, is out. And from what I know, books take time. And not only time, it took you living life to birth this book, right? So let's talk about the process behind this book and the life that you had to live to be able to birth this into the world. Well, I mean,
1: you know, yes. And I think... For all of us who know that we have a book, at least one book in us, you know, it's often about the road that we travel and the hard earned wisdom we gain through traveling that road that gives us kind of what there is to teach, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we live what we get called to teach. And for me, this book represents 30 years, you know, over 30 years on the front lines, of our humanity and having the privilege and honor to support and create space for leaders in various kinds of contexts. And lots of individuals who had no idea that they were leaders or that they were leading in the context of their lives and their work. But the intention of the book is to really give people a roadmap like a no kidding, how do you find your calling? And how do you answer your calling in a way that is both profitable and deeply, deeply impactful for our society and our world?
0: I love the nuance between those questions. How do you find your calling and then how do you answer it? Because I can personally admit that I'm still, despite what it may look externally right, I'm still in that space where I'm figuring out how do I best answer the call on my life and cultivating, I think, an acceptance around that because it's okay to not know, but thanks to you, (laughs) I have greater support around that process. I also really appreciate what you said around lots of folk don't really know that they are leaders or that they're leading. And it gets me to think about some people who are perhaps in a public eye or who are in a leadership role of some kind, but who kind of deny this role of being a role model. Like, I never asked to be a role model. I never asked to, like, be someone who folk look to to be an example. But the fact is, that's not always up to us. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
1: I will tell you, I was a very reluctant leader. And even just in my own story, I came to my purpose literally at gunpoint. And a lot of us have those stories where those incidences where you know I, I always joke and this is sort of one of the last lines in the book where I say you know whether it comes as a kiss in the mouth or a kick in the you know what is coming mm-hmm. <laughs> right and we don't always have an elegant response and so I love even your recognition of like you get called and then there's a space between the call and the answer is, you know, the decision as to whether or not you're going to answer, you know what I mean? And for some people that space is five minutes and for other people that space is 50 years. And so there's something about how we see ourselves and how we hold ourselves and the degree to which that enables us to even feel like we are worthy Mm. sometimes, right? To answer whatever it is that may be calling us or whatever it is that may be those deepest longings of our heart's desire.
0: That worthiness piece is really significant especially when I think about myself as a black woman who still, you know, is shaking off decades now of conditioning around needing to work harder or needing to just bend over backwards and do the most for others, you know, being a caregiver to everyone but my own self. And so then, like, who am I worthy enough to just radically center my own calling and radically center my own calling in a way that, yes, is of service to other people, but it's that feeling of, like, I deserve to say yes to all of this and not just a portion of it, right? Um. So could we actually talk about worthiness for a bit? And then we're going to talk about, I think, how that relates to what it means to stay true, which is a core aspect of your book as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the
1: book is written to respond to what I call the three main concerns. You know, when anytime I'm in a conversation with anyone around crossing the threshold, into their calling or into their purpose, concerns immediately come up, right? It's just what happens, right? You get inspired. And then on the other side of it, you go, oh, my God, you know, because often it requires us to think or live or be or act in a very, very new way. And the first concern that often comes up, Lauren, is who am I? Mm. Who am I to want this? Who am I to deserve this? Who am I to create this? And all of that is rooted in the degree to which we really see the full magnificence of who we are. And often we don't. Mm -hmm. Even the most accomplished and successful people in the world struggle with how they perceive themselves.
0: I mean, I'm just looking around the room over here like, ooh, she talking to me. (laughs) This is so real. This is so on time. And I love that you said the full magnificence of who we are. You didn't say that we're perfect. And I think that that's maybe what a lot of folks struggle with, feeling like we need to be perfect in order to move forward with the call and with our purpose. And to your point of what you mentioned earlier, we live what we get called to teach. And oftentimes what we live is really challenging, both because of our own woundedness or trauma or imperfections as well as the things that have happened to us and we can stop there and say well again the worthiness piece like who am I to then move forward like this surely has to hold me back this surely has to keep me from deepening into what it is that clearly I have been called to do
1: yeah and the orientation That perfection lives and thrives upon is this external, you know, this external mandate that imposes upon us who we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to look or what we're supposed to care about and, you know, what we're supposed to wear while all that's going on. And my commitment in my life and in my work and in everything that I create, it's about liberation. Like perfectionism is a prison is a prison wow. and the more that we can shake the binds off that represent everything that's been handed to us about who we are and the more that we can give ourselves the room and the space and the permission to discover the truth of who we really are the greater opportunity we have at true happiness and fulfillment and i feel like that's what this is about
0: right I love everything you just said. I love it so much. And I think this would be a really powerful segue into the first major aspect of your book, which is what it means to say true. So true to what? Could we talk about that?
1: Yeah, there is at the core and the center of who we are is our soul and the qualities and the attributes that we carry that have nothing to do with our degrees or the things that we've accomplished or the other ways that we tend to identify ourselves that are often rooted in external qualifications. But this is really about like, just by fact of the virtue that we draw breath, there is a quality, there is an essence, there is a presence. And our ability to know that, Our ability to be in profound relationship with that, our ability to be able to touch that, to tap that and to live from that place is really where the opportunity to be true and to be free resides Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: we're not trying, we're not fixing, we're not forcing, we're not controlling, we're not manipulating, we are simply being, breathing, being, present, being. And in that presence is really where the core of our greatest contribution lives. And we don't have to think about it. You know what I mean? (laughs) We don't have to do a whole bunch of stuff to make it show up. It is much more a invitation to surrender and releasing and letting go than it is to putting anything on and building anything up.
0: I am over here just in awe again. I said at the beginning of this conversation that I'm personally at a place in my life where I am needing to hear all of these words of wisdom and really affirming like it is wisdom because you're sharing this from your own lived experience. You're sharing this from what you know to be true. And it's powerful for me to know that this wisdom is coming from someone who looks like me, who shared similar life experiences as me. Of course, the life paths that we have walked is different, but inherently as a Black woman who is aspirational, right, who is driven, we face certain things that allow us, again, to go back into that trap of thinking that we're not worthy. And so thank you for all that you share, because this is right on time. And I'm sure that for everyone listening, it's definitely on time as well. I really... Also love, in the book, you focus a lot on forgiveness. And you were mentioning earlier, too, that at the core of all of this is really about freedom for you. I have to say, as a Sagittarius, I'm always about freedom as well. (laughs) So can we talk a bit about how forgiveness plays a role in staying true? And if you don't mind, I'll also read an excerpt from your book about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, go for it.
0: Okay, so you have a chapter entitled Forgiving Yourself in Societally Imposed Limitations. And you talk about where forgiveness comes from, which is so beautiful, and you detail really a process of forgiveness in action and what it looks like both in terms of individual harm as well as collective harm. And I love the forgiveness ritual. You give a four-step protocol and you say, forgiveness acts of sacred remembering i acknowledge that this happened i tell the truth about what occurred for me i acknowledge and take responsibility for my participation in this experience if appropriate now i remember who i am i reclaim my power and my agency i am whole so there's so much more that we could talk about within this chapter because it's amazing but i love exploring and affirming forgiveness as an act of sacred remembering and i'd love to hear from your own wisdom from your own life experience how you came into this this ritual and this and this way of conceiving of forgiveness yeah i think when things happen to
1: us in our in our lives and whether that's in our early formative years or whether that's as we are growing through the different stages and phases and and evolutions of our being we take knocks we take hits we stumble and often when we're in environments where those kinds of occurrences happen we can carry the trauma of that with us in ways that keep us from our wholeness you know everything is really about this returning to the fullness and the magnificence and the brilliance and the bounty of who we are And all of what we navigate in our society and in our world often becomes like either it supports and affirms or it challenges and hinders. And when we engage in this process of forgiveness, this idea that sometimes we sort of get here like, oh, we're letting the other person off the hook or we're giving somebody an out and You know, my fundamental belief is that forgiveness is always for us first and foremost. Yes. And that it creates the opportunity for us to return to wholeness, to our full selves. And the opportunity to remember is about the opportunity to really see the truth of who we are. You know, so the faults or the frailties or the imperfections, all of the things that we've been taught to distance ourselves from or to consider as things that diminish us are all falsehoods. Mm -hmm. And so when we come through the challenging, the more challenging aspects of our life and our experience, whether it is forgiveness that needs to be turned towards ourselves, which is always the hardest, right? Let's just call it what it is. Often we can share grace and compassion with others a lot more easily than we can with ourselves. But when we're doing that, we really are saying that who I am at the core is whole, who I am at the core is complete, who I am at the core is divine. And sometimes I may act in ways or I may experience things that take me out of that perception of myself. But the truth is at the beginning and the middle and the end of the day, that who I am is divine, who I am is sacred, who I am is complete. And I don't have to fix or force or fight in order to own that and claim that, even when I've been conditioned to believe that I do.
0: Yes. Yes, that's so so powerful and also a practice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hence why hence why you mark it as a ritual in your book. Uh, I think because forgiveness relates so much to this idea of freedom. I kind of want to dwell here for a little bit more because our community is very intent on getting free, as am I. I know that you also coach quite a few people. I mean, that's an understatement. (laughs) You've coached like hundreds of people. And with your book, you know, you're going to be able to more accessibly coach millions of us. But could you perhaps share an example maybe like a powerful anecdote of what this has looked like in practice, right? I love hearing about this and it resonates so deeply and then I'm like, "Ooh, what does this look like?" right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. As you know in the book I shared lots of stories because part of the idea is really for you to see yeah. what does it look like, right? In the everyday because one thing to sort of share a concept, but it's another thing to really understand how it operates in real life. And I feel like the luckiest person in the world in the sense that I do get to bear witness to people every day, letting go of things that stand in the way of their greatness and their power. And, you know, one of the stories that I share in the book is the story of Gianna, who was a phenomenal woman who came to me in the process of leaving our marriage. And she had been in a situation where her spouse was the, quote-unquote, major breadwinner. And part of the illness of our society is the way that we value roles in the context of family. And this sort of assumption that the, quote-unquote, breadwinner carries a particular level of entitlement and power and that that contribution can often trump the other contributions that are made to keep the household whole. And we know that there are people who honor and really get the power of those sacred complementary roles that are so important to holding a home together and building a foundation. And we also know that we have examples of cases where that is not valued and not seen as being just as important in the context of how we value roles Mm -hmm. in our society, right, and in our communities. And she was in a situation where wanting to, was sort of transitioning out of a role in academia and really wanting to now forge and create and build her own practice and her own work. And there was a sense of, because of all of the things that she was grappling with, there was a sense that on the part of her spouse, that she was incapable of being Mm. able to do that. And so the flaunting of, well, how are you going to make money doing that? So there was a sort of really challenging dynamic, and it created a deep sense of self-doubt in her own spirit about whether or not she was indeed capable or possible that she could build this or grow this. And so when we began working together, there was so much of the reaction and impact of the toxicity of this back and forth interaction in the context of the relationship that had really broken down her self-confidence. And before we could go to... And this often happens, Lauren, like when I'm in conversation with people, you know, we want to go to the thing. Like, I'm trying to launch my thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. I'm trying to launch my thing. <laughs> uh, right? Which is really the, you know, because we feel and see, particularly when we start to talk about the economics of these dynamics, one, women often stay longer longer. Maybe And and not just women, but partners, when you're in this dynamic of who, quote unquote, is the breadwinner, can often stay in situations and circumstances far longer than you want to, because there is, again, this sort of concern about how will I eat? How will I survive? Right. How will I make it? But, you know, she wanted to launch the thing. And it was very much out of a reaction to wanting to prove him wrong. Wow. And wanting to reclaim a sense of confidence and self-worth that was being hung on the thing that she was building, the thing that she was launching, the thing that she was creating. And I had to lovingly say to her, well, before I get it, I understand. But before we get to all of that, you got to let all of this go. Mm. Because anytime we're building from proving, anytime we're building from reaction, anytime we're coming from that place, the energy is rooted in believing that this external thing will validate, will rescue, will save, will, you know, fill in the blank, redeem us. And anytime we're hanging our self-worth on something external, it's a recipe for trouble.
0: Wow. That's all that needs to be said about that. (laughs) I think that that anecdote that you shared too, so many of us can relate in one area or another in our lives. As you were talking, I was like, okay, okay. And then it hit me, an area in my life right now, where this is true for me. And it makes it even more apparent why there have been seeming delays with this project Mm -hmm. because I (laughs) needed to get my energy in alignment with what is a pure and energetically sound reason for me launching this thing. And it's not that it's like wholly impure, right? But it's that it's been muddled a bit. And so thank you for gifting me with that awakening right now because I really needed that. And I really wanna shift next to talking about getting paid, but because I just mentioned alignment and because I believe that anecdote really also shows the significance of what alignment actually looks like in practice. Um, And because on Sunday, when I went to your experience, you talked a lot about alignment as well. Can we talk about what it really means to be in alignment and what that actually feels like, like how you recognize that, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So much to your point, the work gets easier. Life gets easier when we are in alignment. And, and we actually, in the context of our work at Move the Crowd, and I in the work that I do with all of the amazing souls we have the privilege to serve, we teach success as a function of alignment. And for us, we encourage the alignment around vision, mission, And purpose. Mm. So in the context of vision, we're asking what it is that you value and what is really important to you and what are your values and how do we line up with what we value? Yes. The second part of that inquiry is what are we here to bring, which is about the unique combination of our talents and our gifts and our abilities And how do we become profoundly connected and clear about that which is ours to bring, that is unique to us, which is integral to this conversation of our calling, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third place where we get to line up in the context of our vision, right, because our mission is about what we're here to bring, our vision is about what we want to affect and impact in the world. And that question is really, what do we want to shift? What do we want to create? What do we want to transform? What do we want to reimagine? And our opportunity to line up with those aspects of our expression are the things that then open the way and create the context for magnetizing those things that align with our deepest aspirations and our greatest longings as well as our highest expression, our truest expression, and our greatest contribution. And it is the co-creation of our willingness to line up and honor what we know feels deeply, deeply resonant with our spirit and our soul and be in action in alignment with that, that creates the ease, the joy, the velocity, the serendipity, right? And all of those other things that we experience that we call the magic and the miracles, right? As the mystery goes to work on our behalf.
0: Ooh, okay, Ra, okay. Um, (laughs) This is so profound. Like I am having like a full body response to all of this. Earlier, I was gonna say earlier this year, but we're only nine days in. Earlier, (laughs) like a few months ago in 2019, I realized that I needed to define my own meaning of what happiness meant for me and the way that I defined it was happiness is the feel-good emotions that result from being in alignment because as you know, you don't always actually feel good when you're in alignment because sometimes you're honoring what's in alignment and that's not necessarily pleasing to like your ego or your earthly self, but you know that it's necessary for your highest self, you know? So a lot of what you just said really resonated with me because you were talking about being in action with our values, ensuring that we're living up to what it is that we're here to do, like all of that. And wow, (laughs) I'm just like in awe because this is just so profound and on time again. In terms of the second, I guess, big idea behind what you really highlight in your book that I think a lot of us are really excited about because everyone wants it. You talk yeah. about getting paid.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. So, you know, we talked about concern number one being who am I? You know, concern number two is how am I going to eat? <laughs> and we all want to eat. Do this. Yes. How am I going to eat and do this? This is nice over here. But people pay me checks. People write me checks over there to do yes. these other things that may not necessarily be my, call, my calling or my purpose. And so this idea of our ability to truly realize profound profitability when we're in alignment is part of the invitation to redefining success. I loved your previous question about like, how do you feel when you're in alignment? You know, you feel joyful. There is a sense of ease. There is a sense of flow. You have a sense of traction. Sometimes it may be hard to make the step to get back in. But when you get in, it's almost like the bounty is waiting for you. Yes. <laughs> when yes. you make the hard choice, you know, there's something that happens. You all know what I mean. After you have the hard conversation, and you hang up the phone. It's like, whew. you know, you can feel the weight being lifted. And this commitment to getting paid is about being willing to reclaim our right to participate in economies that support our ability to be healthy, happy, and whole. And to see ourselves not as operating as victims or operating an economy by default or having someone else dictate to us how much we can earn or what our value is, but actually having the opportunity to be conscious, active shapers of our own money realities. And that we are met with a larger source that is really a cause for anything and everything that we wanna have and that we wanna experience. But we got to line up with it. We got to be aware of it. We got to engage with it. And we have to be present to all of the places where we've been conditioned to believe that we have to settle in ways that are harmful. Or we have to trade in ways that are limiting in order to be able to survive.
0: I mean, one thing that I really appreciate about your teachings is the attention that you draw to mindset. I have to be honest and share that I, right now more than any other time in my life, have realized that although I believed I was moving with a really tremendous abundance mentality, I have excavated (laughs) the conditioned beliefs that I didn't even know I had, the blind spots, several of them that I didn't know I had. That not only have been stifling my own personal ability to reap the harvest for the seeds that I've been planting for so long, but also with those that I am proud to be moving forward with in a collective calling, you know, because I feel like there's an individual calling that I have, but then I'm a part of a collective calling too, because my energy and my mentality doesn't only impact me, it impacts those around me. So the practices and the exercises within your book around mindset and around the doing the work rather than just inhaling the book. Because we all know you can read a book that's really inspiring and then never change your life, right? But you put it on us and say, hey, sis, do this. (laughs) Yes, and Not only do it once, but commit to this for two weeks and tell me how you feel on the other side of that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm
1: adamant about the money piece. Because, you know, if you were to ask me where are all of the frontiers of liberation, right, that keep us stuck and keep us challenged, this is often the number one reason why people claim they can't get free. Mm. This is the place where all of us universally living in this global capitalistic society have been conditioned to submit in ways that do not honor our spirit, right? It's like if we could kind of look across the board at Where is the universal place where we all have surrendered Mm -hmm. in ways that we know have not aligned? It has often been around this capacity and this entrenched belief that in order to survive, we ultimately have to engage in things that are less than joyful to our souls and to our spirits. And so I worked very hard in this section of the book to give you the step-by-step, like this is how you get financially free. This is how you walk through that process. It's mindset, but it's also recognizing that you do have a proposition. There is something that you are here to offer Mm. that is uniquely given, honed, developed, and cultivated for you by you. And you have the opportunity to organize it in a way that makes a difference and makes an impact in the world and reap the divine benefit and compensation and reward for that.
0: Yes, Ashe. I mean, I think, too, that this is just particularly profound for Black women, women of color, women in general, because... We are oftentimes fed this myth that it's just normal. It's just expected that we're earning less than men. And so whether we're in the entrepreneurial space or, you know, working a more traditional job and on a more traditional career path, that is, I think, something that we have to excavate from our consciousness and say, no, I'm not going to allow myself to settle for something less only because that is the cultural norm. Since moving to LA, I've been so inspired because I've met so many powerful entrepreneurial women who are making hella money. And not just that, they're doing what they love. And it's inspired me because I came out of four-ish years in Chicago where I started my entrepreneurial path. And I realized moving here that there are many ways that I have seen myself as still stuck in the past of starting something from scratch, starting something really grassroots, starting something like with this kind of scrappy, I can do a lot with like very little mentality. and. I'm now in this place that mirrors back to me anything that's possible, resources are endless, abundance is here. What do you want? Actually responding to the universe when it asks me what do you want rather than being like, uh, I'll have a little bit of this, I'll have a little bit of that, you know? And again, recognizing that my abundance is connected to the abundance of far more people than I could ever imagine. So it's my calling to say yes to that and to claim that.
1: Absolutely. You know, as Black women, we have mastery at putting ourselves last. Mm. Lots and lots and lots of reasons. So even the inclination to believe that we could have the best or to stand for having world-class resources is part of the revolution. And so, you know, when I talk about taking back our right to participate in economies and to create economies and to forward economies that enable us to thrive and prosper, this is all of what it's about. And it's interesting because a lot of our activism teaches us to shun capitalism. And you know, for me, this is not about whether or not we are pro-capitalist or not pro-capitalist, mm-hmm. but being committed and dedicated to economy yes. is a different conversation because our economies have existed in lots of different ways. And we've seen more, if we sort of go back to indigenous rituals and customs and traditions, we have seen far more examples of economies of health and well-being than we have seen in the context of what we know as free market and what operates in the context of free market. And so our ability to reclaim that economy as home and reclaim and give conscious attention to how we earn and how we spend.
0: Let's talk now about doing good, doing good. All of us, I think, hopefully listening (laughs) to this conversation, want to influence the worlds immediately around us and the world at large in a beautiful, tremendous, generative way. And I'd love to hear you share more about What you talk in your book about, about recognizing our power to do good. I think, again, some of us struggle with the feelings of worthiness around this. Like, if I'm imperfect, how could I possibly inspire others? Or how could I possibly do something good that's actually going to make a real impact on the world? So let's talk about this concept of doing good as you see it.
1: Yeah, so we are in the center of what it is that we're here to bring is the desire to do good you know and i and i've talked about this before and and shared it in our time when we were together you know earlier in the week that contribution is a need every single one of us needs to share Yes. It's why in this, what I describe age of the citizen, we are seeing so many people putting forth their brands and their movements and their contributions. And we're more preoccupied with that than beige shoes, though we love beige shoes, of course, mm-hmm. any anything she wears, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's like, that's nice. And let me come back to thinking through this book, or let me come back to thinking through this online course, or let me come back to thinking through this retreat that I want to have to help heal women. And there's a reason why I feel like so much in this moment, we are really being called to pay attention to our desire to make a difference in the lives of other people, whether that's super mom or that's super mogul or whatever in between. This call to want to leave things better than we found them is inherent in the nature of our soul. And it's always a question of to what degree are we going to honor that, or are we going to honor that from a place of obligation or dysfunction, or are we going to honor that truly from a place of generosity and spirit and resourcefulness and abundance? And I think that our work specifically as Black women is to learn how to give from a full well, Yes. is to yes. learn how to give from a bountiful place and is to trust that we don't have to be the whole revolution, that Mm. we can actually just do our part, our divinely appointed and ordained part (laughs) Yes, and, and let the ripples fall where they may and let the ripples flow where they may and as they may. And so in this part of the book, it's really inviting every single one of us to architect our own path. And to find where is the highest and best use of us Mm. and how do we create the highest and best leverage for impact when we are joyful, when we are bountiful, when we are replenished, when we are restored and being able to give and deliver to the world from that place so that we're being fed in the contribution just as much as we are feeding.
0: I love that. I love that so much, giving and receiving. And I love that you use the word bounty. I remember this weekend you talked about 2019 being the year that centered on healing and leaning into our bounty, and that 2020 embodies courageous sharing. And that immediately gets me to think about vulnerability, how vulnerable it is to be able to name, I am Abundance. I am abundant. And, you know, when I say abundance, I am referring to it in all the ways. So it's like an abundance of wisdom from our healing journeys, you know. There is something to be said for once you've processed something, sharing that with others as a means of healing for others and as a means of teaching and resource and wisdom, which is what you do (laughs) throughout this book. So there's many different ways, but I just think about this idea of courageous sharing throughout 2020. And I wonder, what do you hope will come from those of us who are reading your book and taking up what you say this year and beyond? I mean,
1: 2020 is a year to be seen. We've been talking about 2020 vision, 2020 clarity. 2020 is also a year of focus. 2020 is also a year of commitment, right? 2020 is also a year of, being, of standing up and being willing to be counted for what matters, around what matters to us. And so my hope for all of you, not only this year, but just in leaning into this decade, because remember, this is the foundation we're building the foundation this year of really the next 20 years, quite frankly, right? Because the next sort of dawning new era is being called into being in 2040. Mm -hmm. And so we have the opportunity to plant amazing seeds this year in the core and the center and the heart of whatever it is that we want to build on and whatever it is that we want to achieve and manifest and have. And so, This year is the year to be about your business. (laughs) Ache. Keyword your. (laughs) Not theirs. (laughs) You feel what I mean? Keyword your business, right? Or God's business through you. However you want to see that or own that or honor that source's business through you. But this is the year to have that be at the center. And the vulnerability is simply about the other side of power. That we have not been taught to honor and appreciate nearly as much as we've been taught in these old systems of egoic power. The vulnerability is really where you surrender and you let spirit guide and you let your higher wisdom lead and you allow those deep, great aspects of yourself to come to the fore. Our resonance lives in our willingness to be naked with each other, because the deeply personal is what is the deeply universal. So when we share from that place, when we come from that place, we give so many more people access to their own wisdom, to their own freedom, to their own power by being willing to offer up our power in this way.
0: Yes, everything, yes. I have been blessed by your book. I'm finishing it and committing myself to the practices in an ongoing way. I know that so many more people will be blessed by it as well. And I'd love to just give you the opportunity to share any final words that you think need to be heard, need to be received by our community. You know, I
1: was in a recent conversation with someone and they said to me, you know, wow, like you held nothing back in this book. And it was my commitment to pour my heart and soul and all my love into this book. And it's my hope that if you engage in it in any way, even if it's just in conversation, that you feel my love and my dedication to you and that you know that I am you and that we have an opportunity To be that divine reflection for each other as we stand up and allow ourselves to be seen and heard and counted. And also as we stand for our own joy and our own satisfaction and our own fulfillment, which in and of itself is a revolution for us as black women. Like this is our time, y'all. Yes. This is our time. I wrote this book for you. I want you to really know that. The rest of the world will
0: benefit and prosper, Ashae, but this one, you all, is for you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you shared with our team earlier that you speak so well about the journey because you're on the exact same one. And I think that's important to remember because it's really easy to say, oh, she wrote this book because her life has been amazing and she has all the wisdom and da-da-da-da-da. But it's like we're all simultaneously learning on our journeys and teaching should we choose and you have chosen to do so and for that I am deeply grateful and many many more people are so thank you so much for your wisdom for channeling (laughs) for your love because I feel it every time I'm in your presence and in this conversation the same is true I would love to allow you to share also how people can stay in touch with you I know that you offer and your team offers so much so how can we learn more about how we can get our lives (laughs) with you. (laughs) So my company is Move the Crowd. That's the name
1: of our company. And you can check us out at Move the Crowd. Think of Eric being Rakim, right? 1984, Move the Crowd. <laughs> um, movethecrowd.me as in move me. And so that's our core website. You can come check us out and learn more about what we offer there. And then if you want to go deep around the book and have the opportunity not only to be able to access the book, but to be able to access all of the assets that I've built around the book in terms of resources check us out at movethecrowd.me forward slash The Calling, which is the name of the book. And then of course at Ragatis on IG and Facebook, Ragatis, the same, and then at True Pay Good for Move the Crowd and, and being able to access through the social realm. And, and then to know that we are going to continue to offer opportunities to gather and be in this conversation and be in this theme throughout the year. So if you're listening to this prior to February 21st, we'll be at Kripalo those days, but then throughout the year, we'll be touring and moving through this great nation and world as we share in and create space for this conversation. And so again, the website is always a great place to start forward slash the calling move the crowd. me forward slash the calling.
0: Thank you so much. And I have to tell you more divine nods. It's three, three, three right now. <laughs> Can't make this up. <laughs> Magic. I appreciate you so much. I am personally blessed by this conversation and cannot wait for others to be blessed as well.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Yvonne. Thank you, Lauren, so much for your work. We so love, adore, and appreciate you. And you know anything that we can do, we're here for it.
0: Thank you. Blessings. Thank you. I affirm that you discovered this conversation in divine time and that you'll activate any of the insights that resonated with you powerfully moving forward. Now, at Black Girl and Home, we're all about gratitude. So special thanks to our audio engineer, India Jordan, for adding your magic. Khalid B for your original music. Valerie Titus Glover and Roslyn Davis for your support in the production of this episode. And thank you, yes you, <laughs> for listening to the show. Y'all, Black Girl in Om is here for you. We're actively rewriting the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. To get more involved and to learn more about us, head to blackgirlinom.com and join our newsletter while you're at it. If you do, you'll get an exclusive and free download of a meditation led by yours truly for black women and girls everywhere. Are you also deepening into your journey of wholeness and healing with us on social? Follow us at Black Girl in Om on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What we're about here is real sustained impact. If you're influenced by something that you heard on our podcast and want to support, you can make a contribution today by heading to blackgirlinohm.com slash support. All right, y'all breathe easy.